Welcome to Inside the Path to Success podcast, brought to you by Opulus, where you go behind the scenes with financial planners Ryan Greiser and Fran Walsh to hear stories about how leading entrepreneurs, millennials, professional athletes, and coaches navigate the natural challenges that arise on the path to success and how to advance to the next level. And now, here are your hosts from Opulus, Ryan Greiser and Fran Walsh. All right, back for another episode. This time, we're going to be going through a few details of uh, questions that we often get around digital assets, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, of concerns people have, risks that people have, or just general questions that they've heard out there. So we got six of the most popular ones out there that we get, and uh, Fran's going to go through three. I'm going to go through three of them, uh, just to give you some of our insights and our perspective on this. And uh, as always, this isn't personalized financial advice, but just a few things for for individuals to think about and consider of uh, what they've heard out there, maybe what they've seen in the media, uh, to really take a look at what some actual research has shown to give you some perspective. So Fran, why don't you kick off and go through the first three? All right. Number one, it's just another trendy fad and we'll pass over time now. Well, that's certainly a possibility. At the moment, I personally highly doubt that. According to DACFP, over 200 million people worldwide already own Bitcoin at the moment. In U.S. investors, as of 2020, about 11% of investors held some level of Bitcoin. By 2030, it's projected that 90% of American investors will hold a level of Bitcoin at the current rate of adoption. In addition to this, uh, we're starting to see mass adoption at the institutional level, uh, which is, of course, a big deal. Asset managers, university endowments, corporations, right? Everyone's obviously heard of Tesla or MicroStrategy, right? Um, They're all starting to add Bitcoin to their portfolios and or balance sheets. Um, Even above this, there are several countries uh, who have already made Bitcoin a legal tender. Uh, And the expectation is that several other countries may follow suit this year. So uh, clearly, there's some level of mass adoption happening at at, all levels, retail, institutional, and even nationwide. Sure. so uh, I personally doubt that it's a fad. Uh, I certainly understand people that may think so, but I think some of the data that's out there is starting to show, uh, and a lot of the analysts are projecting uh, that we're just going to continue to see more mass adoption over time. Yeah. And, and Fran, just to be clear on that, are you talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum specifically, or the whole you know ecosystem of digital assets and, and cryptocurrencies? Because you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's fair to say that, yeah, there's certainly some digital assets that are a fad, right? And that could potentially, you know, go away. Yeah. So the stats I was giving was specifically to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's going to be the start of everything. So when you hear about, you know, corporations and countries and institutions, everything's going to start with Bitcoin because that's the big player, right? Certainly there are some trendy fads, right? We all know about the meme coins, like those things are are not going to last for long, right? We know that, you know, statistically about 90% of these cryptocurrencies end up failing anyway, right? The only ones that you ever hear about are the ones who made it. Uh, But there are thousands that get created probably every week that you never hear about, right? Um, But the stats I was giving was specifically to Bitcoin. Everything will probably start with Bitcoin, maybe lead to Ethereum. And, you know, over time, as mass adoption occurs, we may start to see some um, adoption of these other cryptocurrencies. But everything I was saying was was just strictly to Bitcoin at the moment. Good stuff. Uh, Number two, there are so many coins, how do you have any idea which to buy? 
Now, this is totally a fair concern, as we just talked about. There's there's thousands of coins out there, right? Everyone gets hyped on the you know the get rich quick coins, uh, you know. And on top of that, there's just so many to choose from in general. There's so many different sectors of coins. Each kind of coin or token has different goals or purposes, uh, depending on what the protocol is for it. So, so how do we know which to choose? Well. Luckily, we don't have to know how to pick the winners. Just like anything else in life, there is a significant premium on being first to market. So if you're really concerned about this, you may just want to choose to invest in the two largest coins of Bitcoin and Ethereum. By doing this, you are potentially going to capture a large percent of the overall market just by holding these two assets based on market caps today. If you're someone who has more interest in the DeFi space, metaverse, layer two protocols, liquidity pools, and all these other sectors of the cryptocurrency and digital asset markets, you can always follow an indexing strategy to try to capture exposure to all these areas and or simply just do your own due diligence and pick the projects that you feel most align with your values and beliefs. Uh, but just make sure, we always stress, do your due diligence, ask questions, make sure you look into everything. Don't ever jump into anything because your buddy told you he watched a six-minute YouTube video and this is the next big thing, right? Um, but that's certainly um, a couple strategies that you could potentially look at following. Yeah, and not personal financial advice, yeah, never, right? Never. Make sure we keep our attorneys happy, yeah. right? On this and everything in this, not personal financial advice. Yep, absolutely. Third, uh, this is a very popular one. There is no intrinsic value behind any of these digital assets, or you know, specifically Bitcoin is the argument you hear this for a lot. So, I mean, this is the old intrinsic value argument. I've heard it a thousand times. And look, at the end of the day, you're right to say that. There is no in intrinsic value as the definition that we know today. There's certainly an argument to be had that Bitcoin in general is just supply and demand economics. It's not valued like a stock or real estate. But on the flip side of that argument is that something is worth exactly what people are willing to pay for it. And the same thing can be said for the US dollar at the moment. The US dollar isn't backed by gold anymore. Uh, there is an unlimited supply of US dollars. And as we know, the way our government prints trillions of dollars a year, they're only devaluing the money that's inside of our pockets. Uh, with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, there are limited supplies. And in, specifically in Bitcoin's case, there's only ever going to be 21 million coins. And because there is a fixed supply, the price is expected to rise over time with demand. Uh, and the real value on it is that there is a decentralized network of tens of millions of Bitcoin users, as we just discussed, who do find value in it. Um, so that is the case to be had with that argument there. Good stuff. All right, Ryan, I'll pass it over to you for the last three here. All right, here we go. So when we get all the time, it's too volatile, right? Fluctuates too much. And and that is a fair comment if you're looking at this in a day-to-day -day fluctuation standpoint, week-to-week, -week, or even month-to-month, -month, right? Uh, you know, our general thought process on, on any asset class is that day trading or looking at things over a week, a month, is, is or even a quarter, even a year sometimes, is, is a risky thing to do because no one really knows what's going to happen to a stock, a bond, or a digital asset in the short term because of movements in the market, right? But, but if we kind of open up our lens a little bit and look at the asset over time, there's a few things. Bitcoin is usually not um, un unvolatile, right? When we look at compared to the S&P 500 in 2020, this is some research from DACFP, uh, that 140 stocks in the S&P 500 had more volatility than Bitcoin. 
And we're certainly not afraid to invest in stocks, right? If you have a long enough time horizon, no one's afraid to invest in the S&P 500 if you have a long enough time horizon. So uh, in that year, right, 140 stocks were more volatile right, than Bitcoin. So sometimes it's about perspective. Uh, Second thing is that volatility and fluctuations in the short term can actually really, really help rebalancing. So a big component of our portfolio design of what we believe in is that if we rebalance portfolios strategically, meaning as an asset runs in value and up, we want to sell it to lock in our gains. But also as it drops in value, if we believe in them long term, we can buy them at a discount from where it might be in the future. So that fluctuation of Bitcoin in the short term, if we do have a long-term positive outlook in it, can actually really, really help uh, portfolio allocation uh, as a tool to it. And the third thing is, uh, let's not remember that, uh, let's not forget, excuse me, that volatility works both ways, right? So when it drops, no one's ever complained about the upside fluctuation. So when when Bitcoin, ETH, or any of these other assets go up 5, 10, 15, 20%, all you ever hear is going to the moon, yeah. right? We're going up. This is fantastic. Um, but that also has to go on the on the backside. So in the short term, is the asset volatile? Absolutely it is. But that can work in your favor on the upside as it appreciates in value, but also on the downside, rebalancing a portfolio potentially and buying it at a discount. But over long periods of time, meaning a year, three, five years, it's not nearly, well, it can be, but it's not as volatile from some of the research that DACFP provided as you know a nice chunk of stocks in the S&P 500 back in 2020. Yep. Yeah. And I think the most important thing you mentioned is just having a long-term uh, horizon on these things, right? We know that statistically 1% of day traders succeed and those guys are the best of the best. So no one yeah. should be trying to do that, right? 100%, a 1% success right? rate. No Don't shot. try. You're already operating at no a loss. Shot. So have a long-term time horizon. Yep. All right. Next one. I want to wait for the price to fall, right? So today, Bitcoin's floating around, you know, 38000 you know, dollars per, per coin. It's been as high as in the 60000 right? And it's been as low as, right? We know where it kind of started with essentially zero. Um, just by trying to time the market like you just mentioned with anything, like I'm going to wait for the price to fall and drop. <sighs> Who knows? Right. Maybe I don't know when, could it potentially, or maybe we're at the lowest today that it'll ever be. Right. No one really knows for sure. But a lot of the analysts out there are saying that it's very realistic for Bitcoin to be at fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. Some have even predicted to be a million dollars a coin that are like Bitcoin maximalists. Where will it be? I don't know. Right. But probably somewhere between here and a million bucks. <laughs> Right, I would say in in the future. So you know, ultimately, you know, we might not get a three hundred percent gain on it if we buy it, you know, today. But is the upside more significant than the downside today? In our personal opinion, again, not not financial advice, but yeah, right. We feel like the crypto and digital asset ecosystem will be bigger a year from now, five years from now, and 10 years from now than it is today. So do we have to get the absolute best, lowest price? It would be nice, but it's probably not realistic that we can time it quite that way. So I look at it personally in my personal portfolio this way is that, you know what, I'm okay with getting it at a discount at 38,000 right today, theoretically, compared to the 65,000 it was because I believe in it over the long term that'll appreciate in value. So if you want to wait for the price to fall, go ahead, 
history has shown that you're probably never going to get it right. So yeah. how can you maximize your chances for success down the road? Absolutely. And, and on top of that, you obviously always have the ability to dollar cost average. Right? If you're a long-term investor, that's that's always proven to be a successful strategy over time. If the assets that you are investing in and you believe in the long-term, you're going to be in a better position, like you said, one year, five years, 10 years from now than you are today, you can't go wrong doing that. Yeah. What history has shown us whenever we're making really emotional decisions about investing, we're probably going to get it wrong. Yep. Right. So take the emotion out of it, long-term perspective, you know, buy the best price you can, but you know, trying to time, it's probably not going to work out in your favor. Yeah. Because uh, guess what? When it does drop to a lower price, what's the first thing you're probably going to say? Well, can I get a little bit cheaper? Can I get it a little bit lower? Right. Compared to perspective, when it was at like 65, 68,000, people are like, oh man, if it was a 36, 30, I'd be buying all day. But now that it's there, what are people saying? Well, what if it drops to 30? Well, what if it drops to 25? Right. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Right. But, you know, take the emotional side out of it, be strategic, like you mentioned. All right. Last one we got. High energy use makes it bad for the planet. We 100% were looking at this in the same perspective, right? That is causing an energy crisis and a spike around the world. And listen, there's no doubt that by adding this technology to to the world and to the planet, it's having a, a net negative effect today because it's just stacking on top of all the other bad things and energy consumption that were going on. You know, however, same thing, DACFP has some research on this that they they shared with us. And they found that ordinary appliances that are always on in our home use twice as much energy. And that's just in the US alone. Right. So it's easy for critics to cite a random statistic like this, but it takes our eye off the ball. And the amount of energy it uses isn't really the problem here, right? Especially when we compare it to the energy use of the rest of the financial system and the other issues that could potentially be out there, right? Now, with that said, you stack that additional energy use on top of everything else. Yes, it's a negative effect on the overall environment. However, what we're seeing is that it could replace other things at a much cheaper energy cost, right? That it could eventually disrupt. But then also we're seeing a lot of innovation in the space that are looking to solve that issue of how can uh, the mining operations and energy consumers have clean energy solutions to this as opposed to using the traditional fossil fuels that are there. So, and it's really expedited that, right? So we're seeing that, hey, it's an issue, that issue is trying to be resolved and that process is being expedited because there's a clear problem. Right, that's here. So, and so in our opinion, what a lot of the research is showing is that it will be a net benefit to the environment once we kind of get some things figured out from clean energy usage and or this being a more efficient use of energy than our traditional systems that we're we're currently using. Yep, exactly. Right? You nailed it on the head. And if if those who have listened to our uh, our podcast last week surrounding Ethereum, we went into how they specifically are trying to fix these problems, and you know the rest of the ecosystem is is following suit. Everyone is trying to make their um, their projects greener and uh, you know better for the overall environment. Awesome, man. Well, well, those are the six main concerns that we get uh, when we're talking about digital assets, crypto assets. So appreciate uh, everyone tuning in today. Give us a follow on Instagram and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. If you want even more insights on the path to success, follow Ryan and Fran at Opulus LLC on Instagram and Facebook. Or check us out on the web at www.opulus.us. 
Lastly, the content of this podcast is not to be viewed as personal investment, legal, or tax advice. You should always consult with a professional advisor before implementing any topics discussed.